0: Hi I'm Brody, and I'm Kamna and welcome to Can You Not a show about how two women consume the world and vice versa. This week on Can You Not we catch up by catching
1: up on what movies we've seen so we do um, a little Margaret and David on all the movies we've watched including Get Out, Berlin Syndrome, Raw and Fate of the Furious and Dance Academy as well as The Return of What Made You Cry. So we haven't seen each other in a while um, and we haven't spoken to our cutie listeners in a while. (laughs) But um, what we have been doing in the meantime is been watching lots of stuff and listening to lots of stuff. Yeah. Um, But I thought maybe like... We should catch up and talk about what we've been watching. What aka... you've been seeing at the
0: movies. Yeah, so we're <laughs> going to do a little
1: Margaret and David, but with Brody and Cummer instead. And we haven't yet decided <laughs> who, who has to be the David. Who has to be David? <laughs> Neither and of us has to
0: be... to be David. Let's both be Margaret.
1: Well, maybe we can. No, that that could be a, like a nasty competition. Would be like maybe we can get our listeners to tell us who is the most Margaret. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure there's
0: a BuzzFeed quiz about this whether is you're like, a Margaret or a David. This is the, I'm the Mary and you're the Rhoda from Romy and Michelle's <laughs> High School Reunion. I'm the Mary and you're the Rhoda. That's ridiculous. You're the Rhoda. You're the Jewish one. Oh my God, I'm talking cuteness wise, Romy. Okay. And cuteness wise, I'm the Mary.
1: So, um, but instead we can just both be the Margarets at the movies and recap some of the fun summer although it's kind of not summer anymore flicks that
0: we've been watching I just want to call everything a summer blockbuster
1: (laughs) I know where does that term actually come from it's like
0: raining and gray outside but let's talk summer blockbusters (laughs) (laughs) um so Kamna you saw get out last night I
1: saw get out last night and we want to
0: say for like our if if anyone is listening from overseas like please kind of have pity on us in Australia because we have been avoiding get out chat for months we've been reading and watching stuff that doesn't have spoiler warnings in it because uh, this movie still hasn't been released in Australia it's not released until the 5th of May officially yeah it's wild
1: um I like yeah literally didn't even watch the trailer because I was like scared <laughs> oh no maybe I saw the trailer at the start of Mo- um moonlight yeah oh. I feel like it was one of the opening yeah it definitely um, was. Yeah. Okay. So, but I obviously knew about Get Out before then, but I was like, I don't know, like, I feel like. I feel
0: like every podcast I listen to where they, they'll like have their Get Out chat or they'll interview Jordan Peele, like another round and still processing. Mm. But then as soon as there's like, okay, we're going to talk spoilers now. Like I literally once dove across my bed (laughs) to stop playing another round because I couldn't spoil this movie. I was waiting waiting to see it.
1: And so we're not going to spoil the movie for no. anyone because most people might not have watched this in Australia by the time um, and hopefully if you're overseas you have seen it but if you haven't, obviously go watch it. <laughs> um, but um, we don't want to spoil anything but we'll be talking about things more like the themes of the, the movie I guess. Yeah.
0: And I guess what it means to be watching it as non-black people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also like this is a movie that I don't think can be spoiled because there's something about – and this is my first thought. There's something about having watched it last night that just made me feel like there is so much to this movie. Yeah. Um, so a brief sort of background, Get Out is, a, I guess, a thriller but like a social thriller in the yeah. sense that um, it's a horror movie – Um, which is more of a commentary on, like, kind of society as opposed to, like, a bogey villain Mm. or bogey monster that um, is, like, a sci-fi twist or sort of supernatural twist to it.
0: And the director, Jordan Peele, I've heard him talk about how much Rosemary's Baby influenced him a bunch of times and I didn't really get... That influence until I saw it, I was yeah. like, okay, cool, Roman. You like Roman Polanski, whatever. But it's like that idea of. I don't like think this, he likes
1: Roman. So. No,
0: yeah, <laughs> In, influenced by his work. Um, but that idea that there's this just kind of like long simmering, lingering threat that you don't really, that doesn't really strike until mm. like right near the end of the film.
1: Um, so the the thing that differs this movie from a lot of other horror movies in this genre of kind of like a social thriller is the fact that obviously the primary protagonist is a black man and it's also a commentary on sort of viewing this genre of films or this kind of thriller from the perspective of a black man or Mm -hmm. black people in society and um, rather than being the uh, object in the movie they're kind of the subject Mm -hmm. through which we see the experience yeah um which is there's, I mean, there's been a spate of films and um, there has been for like a long time, but there's been a spate of films and shows that have kind of been highlighted or focused on in the past I want to say like 12 to 18 months, which kind of have successfully um, done that and brought that to a mainstream audience. Mm. Um, But something about... Which ones are you thinking of? Well, um, I think there's a lot more TV that is being produced by Mm. black people through a black people's lens. So I'm thinking Issa Rae's Insecure or Donald Glover's Atlanta. Um, And in terms of films, obviously like Moonlight, we just referred to... um, and but even also like that
0: idea that like stuff like Solange a seat at the table is like communicating with these other pieces of culture. Yeah, yeah. and
1: there's a lot of lot more like visibility, but visibility that is um, owned by the people whose perspective, you know, you're portraying an experienced by. Like, so I'm also thinking of like documentaries like Ava DuVernay's The Thirteenth, mm. or I'm not your Negro, like those kind of movies yeah. um, and films. But um, yeah, like Get Out is how do I put it? So I watched it last night. I am i should disclose, I'm obviously like, I think you, if you've listened to any previous episodes, you would know that I'm a South Asian like, Indian woman, but I'm also in an interracial relationship with a white man. Um, and one of the reasons that I wanted to watch this is obviously I'm not part of a black experience. And I think both of us should openly disclose that yeah. whilst we might claim to get quotation marks certain aspects of this movie we Mm -hmm. can't fully ever get it and we shouldn't try and appropriate that um, experience to performatively kind of like say yeah we you know we're with it Um, but as a member of like an interracial relationship I had heard snippets of how accurately it portrays Mm -hmm. that kind of um, constant tension and anxiety you might feel as a person of colour in a relation in an interracial relationship about being in white spaces, particularly where it's not a comfortable space that um, both you and your partner coexist in, mm. so like the um, space
0: in the film is also such a big one where like the the feeling that feeling of uncomfortableness for Chris, the protagonist, is really dismissed. Mm-hmm. Like, and his girlfriend, who's played by Alison Williams, who takes him home to meet her white family, um, she makes a big show of getting it and feeling like i my dad is going to tell you he voted for Oba- he would have voted for obama a third time like he is going to tell you that it's going to make you feeling like she's she's acknowledging that she gets it and she's in on the like how uncomfortable that makes him feel but it also works to kind of like make his discomfort or his worries illegitimate in the process
1: well, well i mean yeah so it's this thing about um how you can talk the talk and kind of walk the walk in in comfortable spaces mm. in spaces where you and your partner coexist in on like kind of in equal if that even exists in this white supremacist world sorry distraction but like equal um, basis but then when you're in spaces where um, you feel like you're the different one like you're the only person of color at the party or you're the only person of color in the family um, or you're meeting all the high school friends that are like all white because they Mm. all grew up from a certain um place uh, you know that you're yeah. not a part of that community um you could you automatically like the power imbalance automatically shifts because yeah. um we don't live in a post-racial world and you know that feeling in the yeah. movie the way that it portrays that is just like took my breath away
0: yeah because um, it, the movie kind of frames the w- why because for anyone who hasn't seen the film obviously we're not going to spoil it but the the kind of like big dramatic kind of like swirling event in the middle of it is that the alison williams character takes her boyfriend chris home to meet her family and during the weekend she's accidentally like taken him home on this weekend that all his parents like rich suburban friends come for an annual event um and all of those people their reactions to chris are very kind of they really they portray every single white microaggression in the book yeah, and um, they exoticize even- him in a way that's to show as though they um they're like celebrating parts of his like identity or or like what they think is blackness um and it's all in a way that they feel is very complimentary and that makes him just you can see him kind of like shrinking and trying to censor himself mm. and to not say the thing that he wants to say but also because it's not like
1: you can't say those things like yeah. even if you feel like you know those things like that kind of environment like shrinks your mm-hmm. sense of self mm-hmm. um and confidence in a way that like you can't yet yeah, you can't capture that yet yeah. jordan peele captures it so brilliantly Amazing. um so yeah in it's it's a must watch yeah. i would think um not only because of how like, fucking beautiful it is as a thriller film. Like, yeah, it, like I was, there were screams, so yeah. many screams in the audience. It's that so I watched tense. It with. Yeah. Um, but also because of um, all the other things that make it what it is in terms of the commentary that it provides on um, sort of black identity, but also um, white performative wokeness, which I think is the real horror in the film. It 100% is. <laughs> because of how believable white people can make the fact that they're, like, um, and also, yeah, how how believable it is that you um, can subscribe to a form- performative allyship when it's, like, almost,
0: almost certainly 100% BS. Yeah. Um, it really made me kind of check that stuff in myself watching it because obviously I am a white lady and the real horror in this movie comes from, white people who think that they know and think that they get it. yeah. And um, like in the I, – I, I've seen it twice and the first time I saw it was in a critic's screening and obviously like as I said, I've read and listened and watched a bunch of stuff about Jordan Peele talking about it and he talked a lot about how he like – he paced this film for audience reactions and he designed yeah. it like he's stood outside cinemas and he's heard screams or yells and he knows exactly what moment the audience is reacting to. Yeah. And in an Australian cinema filled with critics who by and large are not people of colour, Yeah, um, which is a different but relevant <laughs> issue, um, like it was silent. During all of these moments where it should have, it was, it's designed for reactions and there were no reactions. And I'm like sinking in my seat and like grabbing my friend next to me and like yelping a little bit. But then I was also like, oh God, am I just like, like, what am I reacting to a little bit? And then the second time I saw it was a public screening and it was like the advanced screen. It was the first time it was being shown to like a broader public in Australia and that screening sold out and there were a bunch more people there, non-critics. And um, I just remember there was like, I can still picture where she is. She was like behind and to the right of me in the cinema. And there was a woman who I knew was white based on her reactions, which were to show that she was getting it. And like, it was like, woo! And like clapping and cheering. But there were also like kind of shrieks when it was like during the like micro extended microaggression sequence and it was just it's that idea that like this whole movie is about how you don't get it yeah and this person is not getting it by showing how much she thinks she gets it
1: yeah um well, yeah, so the screening that I saw last night, um, it wasn't full, which I was shocked at, but only because I don't think people know
0: that the movie
1: mm. is being shown, because it technically only comes out next week.
0: Yeah. But I wonder what it's like around the rest of Australia. In Melbourne, there's heaps, if anyone is listening and wants to see it a little bit early. Um, but uh, I, re- I don't know. Usually I'm really good
1: at analysing these things, but I reckon it was probably like um, <laughs> half to two thirds wide, but they were all quite a few people of colour in the um cinema and lots of interracial couples um which I think is great because if you're a part of an interracial couple you should also go see this movie Mm. for that reason because I think it make it's makes that so like the sometimes maybe unsaid uncomfortableness of that existence very
0: um said or think conversations you maybe don't always want to have with people you love or something Mm. are are kind of playing out in front of you maybe yeah Yeah. um
1: but also yeah I think that like the reactions were very much well maybe I don't know now but I felt like the reactions that I think i heard from people of color around me were very much like oh fuck Mm. (laughs) like this is so real but also it was really fun i think watching um thriller and horror movies in group audiences that react is so fun totally um like there's a scene where um i'm not giving it away but it's like the first scene that they palpably make it kind of in a um sort of traditional horror sense where it's like dark and he's kind of walking through um and there's a scene where someone gets shown like just like a brief glimpse, almost like you can't even see it as an audience member. And this woman in the audience like screamed so loudly before anything had even really happened. Yeah. And like the whole cinema burst out into laughter for like a good minute, which kind of ruined the next minute of the movie. Yeah. But it was kind of fun because yeah. it was like broke the tension because yeah. otherwise like I get I get really scared. And yeah. I was just like, Ugh. I'm pretty sure Jimmy had like fingernail marks in his arm just from me being like. Ugh.
0: Are you good with horrors usually?
1: Yes or no. Like, what's
0: good? Like, you're meant to get scared, right? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, some people are just like, I can't do horror. I can't. I I don't like that feeling.
1: I watch it with, like, a quarter of an eye. I, like, have my hand over my eyes and I do lots of heavy breathing. But, I mean, I feel like that's the point of these films. Yeah,
0: totally. I love that feeling of being a bit spooked. Um, while I'm watching something that's designed to do that. Yeah. Um I saw another movie recently called Raw and I had that feeling as well where like I'm really good with gore, I'm really good with horror, but I was like covering my face like three times but then also at one point tried to cover my face and also stick my thumbs in my ears because like <laughs> the sound that I that was associated with what I was watching was like the scariest part. I was like no 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 I can't do I it. I always
1: all. um I didn't know anyone else did this, but I my go to when I'm super scared or super tense about what's happening, and I have like very um very visible reactions to like things yeah. that I watch. Like I'm a, like I don't think I'm, it's a sign of child childlikeness, but like I can like I'm like on the edge of my seat or like yeah, breathing really loudly like when I watch anything, even if it's like a s- silly um like soap opera i don't yeah. know um and my f- instant reaction is always to cover my ears i like put my <laughs> thumbs in my ears and then close my eyes because i somehow feel like it's a projecting hearing, yeah.
0: hearing but not seeing is worse yeah yeah my friend sarah doesn't go see scary movies with me anymore cuz we went to see your next at the melbourne film festival a few years ago and i was so noisy and so <laughs> jumpy cuz i was like <laughs> Every time they'd show, like, a spooky mask, which happened a lot. Um, Um, She just doesn't do it anymore.
1: So um, Get Out is great, but tell me about Raw. I haven't seen Raw. I haven't actually even – or maybe I saw one poster. Tell me about
0: what that movie is. It's like there are posters right outside Triple R where we are right now. We can go and look at them afterwards. So Raw is – I'm just looking up the director's name because I forget her name. It's a French film um, made by – Julia Ducourneau, I'm probably saying her name wrong but um Duconno me French we oui, oui. um and I had a croissant before shut like don't at me um this is a French podcast now uh messy um and so it's uh it's really is it in French it's in French yeah okay. and it's set in like rural France um in like a kind of brutalist building where it takes a little while to figure out why this, like, young girl's parents are sending her here. They keep talking about her sisters there. And you're kind of like, what the fuck is this place that they're sending their daughter to? It turns out it's a veterinary school. Um, And all you know about this family as they go in there is that they're vegetarian. They're really strict vegetarians. Their daughter has never eaten meat. Mm. No one in the family eats meat. But then it turns into, and this is not a spoiler because this is, like, the way the film is being built, it turns into, like, a cannibalism film where like it's about like um kind of what? like bloodlust and flesh and sex and like just like the horror of like the female body and the horror of but because it's set in this veterinary school there's a lot of shots of like animals being like treated, animals being carried on stretchers and like a horse being so sedated like, and carried on a stretcher like it's just kind of like heavy
1: warning for animal cruelty or Not or animal not-
0: cruelty but just kind of like it's it doesn't hide the fact that like this is how you study the care of animals is through like you're seeing animals in a much more vulnerable yeah, state but- than you kind of are comfortable seeing but yeah so it's kind of I it's it's horrifying and like it sounds horrifying, yeah, and it's like one of those ones where again seeing it in a in a full cinema was really beneficial because it is one that you like can openly kind of shriek and gag at like i thought it was just part of the pr that when it when it screened at like film festivals they were apparently giving out like bath bags and someone oh fainted gosh. watching it like it's very gory and i'm usually really good with gore but watching people like i think it's the eating like watching people eating stuff and then Ugh. like whether they they think they're going to throw up or they do that's the thing that makes me like i can't handle it
1: um have you read the vegetarian by han kang no okay it won the um man booker last year oh yeah um it's very oh like I haven't watched raw so I've I don't even know heard about it oh really yeah. okay so it's like a, a Korean novel yeah um by a Korean author um and she South Korean um and she writes about um okay so it's like a three-part novella it's quite small yeah um, it's a it's incredible but it's um about this like in South Korea like there's quite a high high meat eating culture in sort of communities yeah or families or whatever um and it sort of starts with this um woman who wakes up one day or starts having these dreams about um like not being able to eat meat and sort of openly just becomes like repulsed by the idea of eating meat yeah um and so becomes like a vegetarian um and then, But it also, like, kind of intersects is really interesting. She starts to want to live, like, a plant-based life as if she is a plant. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. It's, like, quite – I don't know the word for it, but it's, like, really um, mysterious but, yeah. like, beautifully written. Yeah. Um, and then it's sort of about also commentary in terms of how her, as a woman, like, wanting to take ownership over her body um, in this really – it's really visceral the way they describe the impact on her of how dramatic the shift is. Mm-hmm. Like she's just not – like it's not just like she's like, I want to become a vegetarian. Like it's extreme yeah. what she chooses to do to her body and yeah. to herself in order to transform basically into plant. Um, and the like reaction of like the people around her to it and like mm. um, how – it's not gory, but, it, I mean, it kind of is in a way. It's, yeah. like, very visceral. And it's kind of commentary about, like, meat eating, but also this, like, concept of, like, um, yeah, kind of similar themes to what you were talking mm. about, about how, like, um, the nature of eating meat is yeah. portrayed as, like, such a, like, gory yeah. thing. And, like,
0: I think having a female um, protagonist as well and, like, aside from, like, her... Um, the the lead character's roommate at veterinary school is a gay man, and aside mm. from him, there aren't really any male characters. You, yeah, you right. hear from her dad a little bit, and so a lot of it is also about like specifically female body horror, which yeah. I think is really interesting in that in that genre because existing in a woman's body is kind of like a horror movie um in and of itself like it is gory and it and it can be kind of like in a cis female body um or someone who menstruates it can get really gory um and i think that kind of there are definitely kind of these like menstruation metaphors in raw but it's also just like this really, it's a really sad kind of horror movie yeah. as well. About this girl who's just like body is kind of betraying her and she has no control over it. Yeah. It's okay. great. Well, I can't promise I'm going to watch Raw because That's I okay. feel like
1: I might throw up. Yeah, I feel um, like I would
0: understand anyone choosing not to. <laughs> you should read The Vegetarian. I can yeah. lend you my copy. It's yeah, super I would love short. to.
1: Um, it's really like quite incredible.
0: Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, But you've seen something else about family.
1: (laughs) What? What a segue, Brodie Lancaster.
0: Um,
1: Ladies and gentlemen. I'm a pro. I've gotten
0: real good at it now.
1: Um, Ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary people, I'm about to tell you about my date to go see Fate of the Furious. (laughs) Um, I love
0: hearing people. You are the first person I know who said the name the first time. Like, people are always, like, Fast and the Furious 8, the Fast Fate, Fate of Furious. Like, you're the only person who's nailed it first go.
1: Oh, my gosh. How can you call it anything else but Fate with an F8 of the Furious? it's sick. It's so good. Like, gosh, like, people talk about the get-outs and the moonlights and the... um, like, what are the movies that... Critics- Boss Baby. Boss Baby. <laughs> no.
0: I'm not going to talk about Boss Baby, but I saw Boss Baby. I'm trying baby. to talk
1: about, like, people that sort of say that they're, um, you know, a theme that we've talked about in the show is about high culture and low culture or yeah. whatever. But, like, I'm telling you, one of the best movies I've watched in a long time, Fate of the Furious.
0: Okay, tell me about it. I've seen – I've heard a lot about it. Okay. Well, my best friend Sinead loves Fast and the – she self-identifies as a fastie. Yeah. So I've heard a lot about the family.
1: Um, Well, maybe, yeah, maybe I need to, like, start a message chain with Sinead about it. But anyway, um, so I'm not going to give uh, – our audience a recap on what the fast and the furious chain is because if you don't yeah like i'm not gonna deal with people who don't know who vin diesel is the venn
0: diagram between like the venn diagram the venn diagram between can you not listeners and fans of dwayne the rock johnson is like just a single circle it's like they're both at once
1: yeah i have to confess i have um i was like obsessed with the first fast and furious movie when it first came out and i watched too far too Fast, Too Furious, and I watched the third one. That was Tokyo Drift,
0: I think, as well. Yeah, and they, they started playing with, like, time and space, right? Like, they started well, to, so like, the, they were this sequential. is the convention,
1: and I feel like if Sinead's listening or any other fasties are listening, I'm really sorry. But I dropped off the bandwagon for a little while. No, me too. I maybe, think the last
0: one I saw was Tokyo Drift. Yeah,
1: maybe because um, I was subscribing to the you know, high culture brush that we all try and avoid. Uh, I told myself I
0: didn't like action movies for like a lot of years.
1: I love action movies. Same. I think they're my favourite genre of movies. Same. Um, anyway, I um, I decided, I consciously decided that I was being an idiot and I needed to jump back on the fast car that is jump on
0: that speeding car babe
1: the fast lamborghini that is fate of the (laughs) furious and hop back on and um i don't know if you want to watch maybe we can have like a mega viewing screening where we catch up on four to seven yeah um because holy shit fate of the furious is amazing yeah it was amazing in the sense of we were talking a little bit about summer blockbusters but the idea that like a film can be um just that like just mm. entertaining and I subscribe to this a lot only because um I'm an Indian cinema buff I think I've told you about this before mm-hmm. um, and I obviously don't prescribe to the view that Indian cinema is just Bollywood because there's so many layers and dy- dynamics and regionalities to Indian cinema mm-hmm. which I can talk all about another episode <laughs> um but I do also love the Bollywood blockbuster and yeah. the idea is because um, there are there's this phrase in um, english called time pass and it's the idea that um, like you would go and see a movie as time pass and so you might give a movie a rating of like a time pass and the idea is that you would go there and it was a great way to pass the time right and so like you don't really have much more to say about it and yeah. it's not like a great rating like, like it's I almost would've...
0: like you dismiss it as just time pass no no, no, no or no. no um
1: so it's this idea that i and let me just say Fate of the Furious is not time pass because it's a lot more than that. Okay. Um, But like this idea that like, um, no, that like the beauty of a film can be in the way that it just allows you to pass the time. Right. And like it's a good way of passing the time. Yeah. Um, And that's like something beautiful in itself, not right. just this idea that like you have to go and you have to like walk out like it's self questioning or you know Got whatever. You just you just need a movie with the songs and the action sequences and the hero and the relationship dramas and like mm. that is what makes a great movie. Like yeah. you don't need sort of some sort of subplots or like things. Or like that a you... critical
0: kind of like, <coughs> you know, reflection. Yeah. On
1: it. yeah. Um and that is why I kind of loved Fate of the Furious yeah. because um I swear to God, I don't know how long the movie was, but I started it and then it finished. I was just like so captivated yeah. the whole time. I didn't know, like, time just left me. Like, I was just yeah. like so involved.
0: It's cat. So, R.I.P. Paul Walker. Um, this is the first Paul Walker, like, late Paul Walker movie, right? Yeah. yeah. So,
1: this is the first movie in which Brian's not there. Um, is and- Brian
0: dead in the canon of the, like, in the narrative yeah. of the film? Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, and and so it's, it you know, it was a huge um, existential moment for the Fast and the Furious chain as to how they were going to handle the absence of Paul Walker, whether mm-hmm. it could ever recover. And I think a lot of why it has is because of, obviously, Dwayne The Rock Johnson being introduced last film and also, right. like, the fact that he is such a huge deal yeah. and him being in the movie really adds another dynamic which i think um if he wasn't then there would be a huge gape in like gaping hole in terms of like what the what was like the fast and furious aspect of it because yeah. like brian and um uh, dom who, who's played by vin diesel's like relationship dynamic is so much of what like
0: the central yeah like,
1: yeah um the movie is but like the way that they handled it it was just so great like the whole movie is about family and about like you know everything you know family's what matters and all these like kind of ridiculously sentimental feelings but the thing that I love most about the Fast and Furious chain and uh, like I remembered during Fate of the Furious what I loved so much about it is that um the best thing about the film to me is not the like multiple multiple reinventions of a fast car chase scene which yeah. there is a great reinvention of in this current movie <laughs> but about the fact that it exists in this uh so we've talked like a bit through talking about get out about like the fact that that film very accurately portrays the racial dynamics of the world that black people live in. But one of the beauties of Fast and the Furious is that it exists in this post-racial utopia Mm. where, like, and it always has from the first ever movie is where, like, exists in this utopia where, like, there's all these characters of colour and white characters um, just getting along and being part of this family um, in a, like, really genuine away. Yeah. um But it's like everyone is kind of just like getting along and kind of like existing in this way where – which is not – a ra- I don't think any of the portrayals of the characters are erasing of whatever racial um, politics each of them are kind of dealing mm-hmm. with in that world, but they are – like they don't lose their people of colourness in the films, right. but it's portrayed in this really like – It's also like that's
0: not the story. No, that's know? not the story, yeah.
1: but – but but another story of Vin Diesel's films, both in Triple X and um, Fast and the Furious, is how diverse they are, and yeah. he openly markets his films to a diverse audience. Like yeah. he markets his films just as much in all the parts of like in huge parts across the world including hugely in Asia than he does in America like he's not focusing his films for a white audience um obviously yeah so I'm not gonna talk about like I'm not gonna talk about the film as if it doesn't have probo aspects because obviously it has probo aspects like I don't know why Charlize has that (laughs) hairstyle I don't know why they like they chose to portray her in that way the one weird way weird thing about it is like there's no link between her hairstyle and her personality whatsoever it's just used as an accessory which really. is also so problematic because is she of...
0: she's a bad guy though right yeah yeah um she's pretty good he tries to turn dom against yeah family the family the family um she's don't mess with the family
1: yeah I don't know. She didn't really stand out. Okay. But she's like not bad. Yeah. Um, I think only because there's only so much star power allowed in one film and yeah. The Rock pretty much takes
0: it all. He's like he's like a solar eclipse. Like mm. you you have, have you
1: read the profile by um of um The Rock by Scotchy Cole? No. In BuzzFeed? Okay. Oh my
0: god, oh no, it's on my reading list. Oh my okay. god, Scotchy. And The Rock <coughs> tweeted at Scotchy, who we are both very big fans of. Yeah.
1: Um so I realised the Rock-, Rock is a Republican, like an what? open Republican. Like In that profile, did he talk about it? No, she oh. barely mentions it, but right. she kind of mentioned it and then um, – I was talking in this writing group about how much I love uh, The Rock and then they were like, uh oh, FYI, he's also a Republican. But he's openly a Republican. Like at the, like, um, what? the uh, my anti-Trump people in the Republican Party were actually thinking of maybe like putting him up as an alternative to Trump. Like that's how like influential he is in the Republican oh movement. Oh, my God. Which like really – I know. Um Wow. Because he plays, like, the he's started to play,
0: like, the woke bay in, like, so many yeah. things. It's well, really... he's just, like, Instagram, like, honey. I know. Like, he's such a sweet man. I'm like... I, I also since realised that... lin Miranda needs to talk to him about this. Yeah. Maybe they're not friends anymore because Lin-Manuel Miranda did all those, like, pro-Democrat, like, Hamilton I don't know. remixes.
1: I think, <laughs> I think the other problem with The Rock is, like, he kind of exists in a, like, we all need to unite as people together kind of world
0: got it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But he is a powerhouse. Yeah. And all the problems aside, I still think Fate of the Furious is one of the films of the year. <laughs> <laughs> um talking about films of the year, I also saw Dance Academy. Hi everyone. I'm the cul- I'm the obviously the high culture person is in Dance this Is Dance Academy a
0: um uh high culture doesn't exist. Um is Dance Academy an Australian film? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever watch Dance Academy? No, I've heard a lot about it. I think one of my friends has a friend's sister who like made it. Um, and so she's always like, "You know, Dance Academy, that show, that's one of the awards." And I'm like, "I literally don't know what it is." Pretty. But it sounds like something love, I would love. You love this shit. Is it reality? it's not
1: reality. No, 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 it's no, like, no. yeah, no. Um it's a
0: uh... It's not Dance Moms, <laughs> which no. I do watch.
1: <laughs> okay, so did you ever watch like, I don't know, like Step Up or Honey or Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Um it's like not oh, as honey. cool. Um it's not Anywhere just good to step up as or honey, so I don't right. know why I mentioned them. But it's like you know, is or center like, stage.
0: Yeah, I, I love center. Is okay. it kind of? I was gonna say, is it like Raise Your Voice, the Hilary Duff movie, where she goes to like a singing school? But no, like, it's, it's better. Like for dancing. Yeah, it's yeah. for dancing,
1: and it's real. I mean, it's called Dance Academy. But anyway, yeah. let's just pretend that you didn't say that. Um, <laughs> but it's no, but it's like quite. <laughs> is um, it a school for dancing? No, Dance Academy. <laughs> Um, but it's like really well done, the TV show. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. I feel like young adult television is where it's at. Weird. So is the film like an adaptation of the TV show? No, the is film anything? is eighteen months after the end of the third season oh, of Dance Academy, cool.
0: um, like Entourage.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but the okay. So the weird thing is like I watched Dance Academy not religiously, but like quite a bit when it was on TV, especially the first season. Uh
0: huh. Um, How many seasons were there? Three.
1: Sorry. Um. I'm pretty sure there was only three. I only really know of three. I think Correct. it's only three. Um, but it, it's really, like, well done in terms of, like, a teen show. Like, they deal with all these, like, kind of um, real life, like, you know, character development and, like, characters who are, like, um, dealing with, I don't know, like, injury and dealing with, like, um, uh, like coming out and dealing... Like, um, I don't know. It's, it's really quite... In the way that a lot of young adult TV show is, mm. TV shows are. It's just really good the way that it deals with yeah.
0: that. and it you describing it makes me think of like Degrassi or something that I really loved. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's kind of like that. Yeah. Um, and the movie's amazing only because I mean not only because, yes, only because
0: it's <laughs>
1: um directed by Bronson of Round the
0: Twist fame. Oh my God! Jeffrey Wait, first Bill- Bronson or second Bronson? 'Cause remember when Round the Twist recast everybody and there was like the First new Brunson. Jeffrey new Walker. Wow. Yeah. And he's done That's a good job. Amazing. He's done a good job. Have you ever felt like
1: this? <laughs> um, I don't know how I looked up every single article about Dance Academy and Round the Twist and no one mentioned it, but That's I found wild. it out through my
0: own investigative work. I'm on IMDB right now because oh my god, Brunson. Anyway, so everyone... Matthew Waters, did you say? Yeah. No, Jeffrey Walker. Okay, Matthew Waters must have been the new Bronson. Yeah. Wow. I'm yeah. so proud of
1: him. I'm so proud Remember of him.
0: Remember that episode where um, he fell in love with the girl who was an ice sculpture and he kissed her and then she turned back into an ice sculpture and so his lips were stuck to ice and then they like got on a cart and rode through town. <laughs> so funny. Okay, this, this, maybe we should start a Round the Twist only podcast. <laughs> um so I saw a, an Australian film as well in the last week or two. It's called Berlin Syndrome. Oh. It's with Teresa Palmer. Teresa Palmer, who I feel like now I'm watching it I was like you're Australia's Kristen Stewart, which is like the highest praise I could give anyone because I fucking love Kristen Stewart. Is she that good? She's she has that kind of like like almost androgynous kind of like skulky like internal emotion kind of vibe that Kristen Stewart has. Um, but she's also like a bit sexy and like super fiery. I don't know. She's fucking amazing in this. Um, and it's a harrowing movie. Mm -hmm. Um, like it's not for the faint of heart because, um, so basically it's, I heard about, um, Berlin syndrome a few years ago, um, through someone who works for the production company who made it, who also made lion. Um, they were doing a lot of like Australian productions at the time. And, um, It is based on a book by a Melbourne – I think she's from Melbourne – author called Melanie Yostin, also called Berlin Syndrome. And it took me, like, way too long to realise that Berlin Syndrome is like a play on Stockholm Syndrome, which is all about the idea of, like – You know, I was getting affection for a captive. Like I read the entire book and I was like, "Whoa, cool. Set in Berlin, so hot. And then I was like, it's almost like she had Stockholm Syndrome. I was like, oh, wait, (laughs) I'm a bit slow on the uptake at the moment. Is Dance Um,
1: Academy a movie about a a dance school? I don't know.
0: I don't know. (laughs) Is it like Raise the Voice? I'm not sure. Um, (laughs) I'm a literal movie critic. Have you heard of Brody's zine <laughs> film
1: for <laughs> Okay,
0: let's stop roasting Brody. <laughs> no, I love it. I love to be roasted like a little turkey. Um, so Berlin Syndrome, the premise is that um, a girl called Claire goes to Berlin. She's a photographer. She's um, doing this series where she's photographing um, like old buildings that were kind of like um of the old berlin that still exists today um and while she's like out taking photos one day she meets this guy called andy they have this like hot sexy night together are you giving spoilers away no i'm not giving spoilers this is like the premise um and then when she after they bone she like gets up to leave in the morning and the door is locked and he's gone to work and she's like he forgot to like like leave me a key and so then he comes home. She's like, "You forgot to leave me a key." And he's like, "I'm so sorry." Then they have another hot, sexy night together. She's like, "Oh my god, I wish I could stay." And then he's like, "Here's your key." She goes to leave the next day, and she realizes that he is on purpose not letting her leave. Is the key not the right key? The or key something? doesn't. He leaves it for, her and she's like, "Great, bye. Have a nice day at work." And then she goes to unlock, and that's where the horror starts. Is it um, scary? It is scary. And, like, I, the thing is that I – because I read the book – because I was, like, really excited for this movie because I heard that Kate Shortland was directing it. She's one of my favourite filmmakers. Like, she made Somersault, which I yeah, love. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and I heard she was directing it. So I was like, okay, um, like, while this film is, like, being made, I'm going to read the book. And I read the book and it was, like – it's all from Claire's perspective. So it's, like, very insular. It's very sad and, like – harrowing but it also plays into that idea of Stockholm syndrome of like Mm. what how does your relationship with someone change when they effectively are keeping you captive um and so I thought I was really prepared for the movie because I'd seen the book but I wasn't like the movie really dials down on the like thriller element of it it's a lot more kind of brutal they and so does she interact with this guy every day yeah he comes home every night Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, like, it's – and there is a, there there is more going on in the – and I don't want to say there's more going on because that's kind of says that the book didn't have as much going on, but, like, the film has a lot of different ways that he I guess cause hurts you're, her. Yeah, I guess because um,
1: you're also seeing it from her perspective in the film but also, like –
0: yeah, yeah, and the film follows him a lot more as well. Like when he leaves during the day, we see where he goes and what he's like with other people in his life, which obviously being only from her perspective, the book only shows us what he's like with her. Mm. Um, and, it, yeah, it's 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 rough, but it's really good. It's a really good film. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's... I
1: feel, yeah, I feel like sometimes it's hard to see rough things when life it's, is so rough.
0: It's really hard to just see, like a woman who's, like, strong and independent, travelling on her own, has clearly, like, heard or, like, you know, ignored the Hang things on, that... Hang on, is it
1: like that movie that- Taken?
0: I've never seen Taken. It's probably not it's like It's probably... <laughs> well, there's no Liam Neeson, which is what Taken is all about, right?
1: Um, I'm just being facetious.
0: Um, but, like, yeah, it is really hard to see, like, a woman who, like... An Australian woman travelling abroad, which I have been, and, you know, like you know trusting someone who and the thing is it's like he's not a villain when you first meet him which Mm. you know a lot of horrors when it's like who's this dumb dumb believing this guy you know like you totally understand how she found herself in this situation situation it's really really tough to watch but it's also like a great movie again to watch in a in a i cin- i've watched a lot of spooky stuff lately but yeah. a really great one to watch in a cinema full of people who are all reacting live with you
1: okay i'm gonna go try watch it
0: even though i'll be really scared brace yourself okay. you might have to stick your fingers in your ears a few times uh, so before we go we're gonna do a quick return to a I think we're allowed fan to call favorite. it a fan favorite now. Fan favorite. What made you cry? Oh, before we start, what made you cry? I just want to say a quick shout out to everyone who I've met in real life who's told us that, who's told me that they listen to the podcast. because i feel like you're the people who like what made you cry the girl who sold me my ramen the other day said she likes it oh really and also i told i tweeted this i did i don't think we talked about it but i was at a concert and i walked into the bathroom and the doors like didn't have locks on them and there was a girl in the toilet and i was like oh my god i'm so sorry and she goes that's okay i listened to your podcast She's coming to the live show. So, oh. yeah, cool.
1: <laughs> um, Speaking of live show, before we do What Made You Cry, um, remember that we've got a live show coming up in like... It's on like
0: June 13th? Yeah. It's the so day after in, the public
1: holiday. In six weeks. Um, I like that you called it the public holiday of the public holiday whose name we should not mention because
0: yeah. I'm don't like the monarchy the day that shall not be named
1: yeah um so june the 13th if you're in melbourne that was such
0: a sweet way to say it. i don't like the monarchy <laughs>
1: um if you're in melbourne it's at the wheeler center Yeah. tickets are free but make sure you book so that you know that you can come and um we're going to be having a very special guest megan tan of the millennial podcast which you should if you get a chance to check it out Mm. if you haven't already and aren't already obsessed like many people I know who are coming to the show are um check it out because her podcast is
0: really really cool yeah and a lot of the stuff we're going to be talking about is her podcast but we're also going to be like chatting pop culture and And chatting as a millennial what made you cry yay yeah
1: um so get your tickets we'd love to see as many of you there as possible
0: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah um and we're also going to obviously record it and then
0: Show it. Oh, yeah. If you're not in Melbourne. So if you're not in Melbourne, you can um, still hear the show. But also if you're in Sydney, come now. What do you have to share?
1: Oh, yeah. Two, three days before um, the uh, live recording show, I will be at the Audio Craft Conference on a panel. Glam, glam, glam. Glam, 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 glam. Um, Talking about basically Brody and I making our podcast and what it's like to have a conversational podcast and... um. Yeah, basically like talking with some really cool audio makers. Um including Megan, I think Megan's going to be at the conference. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Um basically so if you're in Sydney, I think there are still tickets available. If you're in t- if you're in Sydney and
0: you're interested in making audio and making mm. podcasts, you should definitely come along. Yeah, AudioCraft is kind of like an industry event, really. Yeah. Um but that's not to say that anyone can't go yeah
1: yeah yeah and Brody's gonna be in sydney soon too oh yeah
0: i'm gonna be in sydney we're all just like travel business gals um i'm gonna be in sydney at the i really I you like you said business gals are not girl boss well yuck no thank you <coughs> um i'm gonna be in sydney like uh two weeks before you are <laughs> um at the end of may uh for the sydney writers festival because um i'm talking at one of the because them Brody Bro- wrote a book guys Oh, yeah, I wrote a book last year. Um, and, and we'll talk about that next episode. Yeah, but it'll be, it's not out until the end of June slash early July. But at Sydney Writers Festival, it's going to be out early um, because I'm going to be doing two events there. One is called Netflix and Chill, where I'm going to be talking pop culture with um, some legends, including Benjamin Law and Dana Stevens from the Slate Pop Culture Gab Fest podcast. Um, and then I'm also talking at the. Oh my God, dream of my life event, the 25 <laughs> years of looking for Ella um spectacular Have a Say Day, which, if you've ever met me, I've probably talked about looking for Ella Brandy. Um, and it, people like uh, Yasmin Abdel Magid and uh, Mark Stefano. Shout out to Yasmin. I'm Shout sorry out. about what's been happening. Yeah, Yasmin is a legend and does not deserve the. We might put some links in the. No, um, let's not even
1: in, bother. It shouldn't be talked about because I feel yeah. like it's not fair for her. To... But maybe
0: we could link to like Oz Oz's piece on oh, Junkie yeah. um, that kind of gives some context for anyone who hasn't been kept up to date with the garbage of Australian politics in the last, or like quote unquote politics, um, in the last week. <sighs> so what made you cry? That's a, actually kind of a great segue into what made you cry is the garbage of Australia at the moment and what we um, pass as political discourse
1: yeah um what made me cry i can't remember if it was technically within this week or not but i did cry quite recently um because of yeah because of like i don't know how to describe it but basically i was really tired and overworked and overstressed and i remembered how shit life can be for being a member of a diaspora and poc member in australia it was like maybe like eight days ago, not like quite within the week. But I think it was just like um, what had happened, it was like the stuff about um, basically everything had kind of just gotten to peak level nonsense in Australian politics where we were talking about like changing 18C and then there was all this stuff about like kind of like the politics of what you can or can't say as a POC. And I don't mm-hmm. know if it was even – a specific media event or not but I was lying in bed and I was just like turned to my partner and I was just like I'm really tired like I'm really oh that's what it was did you see um there were the images of that person with a swastika on the train line yeah yeah and yeah. I got really upset that people were sharing that in someone in Melbourne um was wearing a yeah <sighs> A swastika on their armband and travelling in a public train, and someone took a picture of it as like a PSA to people for their safety. Yeah. Um, but I was having really mixed feelings about it because I saw it because it was shared by a person of colour. And I kind of was like, is this really a PSA? Because I feel like life is pretty tough anyway and yeah. I don't really need to be knowing that this stuff like a, is happening. A, rem-
0: a very vivid reminder of yeah. your daily reality. It's
1: like one person and even though it's horrendous and horrific, like, I was just feeling like maybe if I hadn't seen it, I wouldn't have been reminded of how like scary sometimes it can be and mm-hmm. how... Um, like, my visible brownness is not something that I can mask, even though I can mask um, certain aspects of my ethnic identity in – and I do as a matter of survival in, like, the circles that I roam in. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I just felt really sad and really, like, defeated. And I was like, am I safe?
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) Which is, like – sounds traumatic, but I guess if you don't – I don't know. I think it's just a very real feeling that a lot of – people yeah. of color feel it's and understandable so I cried. yeah that was about that was about a week ago yeah yeah
0: um i had a little cry last night um similarly kind of like feeling overworked and stressed and overwhelmed and then decided to watch the handmaid's tale <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> which you know could not have come at a better time in the kind of global political climate but also like for our mental health, probably could have come into better, better time. time. But I mean, I was I am going to recommend this um article if you're going to watch The Handmaid's Tale. I'll put it a link in the show notes. It's a piece by my friend Estelle, Estelle? Tang. Yeah. yeah,
1: I haven't read it yet.
0: But. Yeah, so Estelle is the culture editor for L. dot com, and she basically wrote this piece for L. It's a really brief piece, but it kind of encapsulates everything you feel going into The Handmaid's Tale or watching it, which is she basically says, like, there is no casual way to watch this show. Um, she says, like, are you ready to see, like, women being torn away from their families? Which I've read The Handmaid's Tale. Like, the, yeah,
1: I've read The Handmaid's Tale on the recommendation of my English teacher in year 10.
0: Literally same, year 10. My English yeah. teacher assigned each of us different books and she gave me The Handmaid's Tale.
1: He gave me The Handmaid's yeah. Tale. Anyway... I'm not ready to watch the show yet. It was, it was,
0: it's harrow, like it's harrowing. I felt physically anxious and like I had a stone in the pit of my stomach because one line in Estelle's piece kind of sums it up where she says like, are you ready to realise that if it came to this, you might not be the one to step up? Like for all our kind of like internal kind of politics or heroism or, or what we stand for white
1: performative wokeness
0: like true yeah to bring it back to what we were talking about earlier with get out but like even just the the fact that like if if everyone in the world suddenly said it's basically illegal for women to have money independence control of their bodies jobs families like any kind of um control or power or, or autonomy like and you can't do anything what would you do because this movie, I mean this show and the book is all about like you can't do anything. Like yeah. if if you try cuz there's a scene where like people try to start protesting and they it's just open fire. Like not there's no control, there's no like morality anymore. Yeah. It's just this this religious dystopia. Um and it's horrifyingly like real right now. <laughs> yeah. So that was a heavy what made
1: you cry a this heavy week. Heavy made I'm you cry. I'm really glad that we cried because crying is a power move. Yeah. And I'm really glad we talked about it because that's what we do process things and try and get up the next day and move on.
0: Yeah. Let's do it. Yay. Yay. Thanks for listening. Um, you can follow Can You Not at uh Can You Not Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um come to start at a hashtag yesterday for Rizwatch, which you know we're still doing, even if we're not talking about it on the show. So if you see cute Riz Ahmed pics, stories, interviews, videos, anything Definitely you Definitely know at us who to send it to at Can You Not Podcast. Uh RizWatch 2017. Never sleep. Find
1: Brody on at Brody Lancaster on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find me at cumna mm so k a m n a m
0: m on Twitter and at hip hop yogi on Instagram. Can you not is recorded at Triple R Studios in Melbourne with theme music by Beck Rigby and Henry Madden from The Harpoons.
1: Boom! Boom!